Hello, I'm Barry Conway, the executive producer of the Epiongo line. It's not usually my role to be working the announcer's microphone. My real job as chief cook and bottle washer is to coax somebody else, somebody more talented than myself, someone such as Kristen Marchand, our regular announcer, to introduce each show. But alas, these are strange times. And so they call for innovative, if not desperate, solutions. No need to bother you with the reasons why I'm doing this job tonight. The answer is in the latest COVID-19 news and what it's doing to yourself and your community. What you may not know is that our production studio is located on an island, Mask Island, a sort of floating suburb of the thriving metropolis we call Barry's Bay. And this week, given all the COVID-19 shenanigans, I've been hiding out on this island, reading an old friend, John Donne, that wily old English poet and essayist who coined that immortal adage, no man is an island. Indeed, no man is an island, but as the chief cook and bottle washer for the Epiongo line, it sure feels like everybody wants me to think I need to become an island, if only to save the world as we know it. Regardless, the show must go on, and so onward we will go, despite seeming to be deprived of our usual vocal talent and wonderful community of resources that go into making each and every show here at the Epiongo line. Still, tonight, for your listening pleasure, we have something remarkably new, and something that ironically, as we move forward in this brave new world brought on by COVID-19, might actually work for this podcast going forward in these strange times. About two weeks ago, we began experimenting with a curious new show format. It's called Rural Roots, and it's a show devoted to trying to get us out of the old Barry's Bay Railway Station, where most of our shows are produced and presented to live audiences, and which, thanks to COVID-19, we will not likely be able to return to for this foreseeable future. Indeed, Rural Roots intentionally takes you for a ride in an old half-ton truck as it rattles and rolls its way down and around the dusty backwoods of what we consider God's country, the Upper Madawaska Valley. In fact, before any of us ever heard of COVID-19, we did our first Rural Roots pilot with its host, Mark Wormke. We rustled up his first two guests, Marie Vilnev and Judy Whalen, and together we headed out to what we call sacred places. Places where something important, if not dramatic, happened in their lives. Places that reveal true character. So let's just sit back for one hour at least and forget about the terrible state of the world, about the island we are now living on, and enjoy the simple truth and wondrous beauty of two local women recalling their youth. Along the snowbanks. Marie, Judy, and I are standing on the ice at Lake Kamenskeg, uh, just east of the causeway, uh, in front of the former Kaznaski Marina. And I understand that in 1986, this was the site of a game, a very important game between uh, two hockey teams. Can you ladies tell us a little bit about that? Marie, maybe you go first. Okay, I received a letter in the mail. I, uh, I wasn't at home at the time, I was away working. But I got this letter from a recreation uh, director and saying, for Timberfest, we're going to do an old-timers game. So we're going to get the girls together to play some of the senior men in the area that play hockey. Jumped at the thought of, yeah, that'd be great. So I said I was going, and um, I'm not sure, Judy, how did, how did you find out about it? 
You somehow tracked me down, Marie Villeneuve, <laughs> and I was living, I believe, outside of Pembroke, and I thought, oh boy, where am I going to find some equipment? It's been a while. Anyway, I came up and we played and we sure had fun. <laughs> what kind of a day was it? Was it like this, bright? Was it cold, dark, raining, snowing? It was bright and it was very cold and the rink that they plowed off was much larger than a, a normal rink. <laughs> it was bigger than Olympic size ice. <laughs> yes, yes. With Except it didn't have the nice clear ice. It was cracks and choppy. Oh yeah, it was rough. We were kind of rough on those boys too, we were playing. <laughs> now that was 34 years ago, so some of the folks on both teams are, are, are gone now. Uh, can, you can you remember any of the folks who are no longer with us and maybe what their contribution was to the game? Well, actually, the team itself was like I got a hold of Judy to play, but there was a, it was a mishmash of, of a lot of the players from 72 right up till 78, 79 that I can remember. Because I look at the picture now and I think, oh, you know, there were some of the younger ones and of course us old gals, the diehards that love hockey, were out. Um, who wasn't there now? Um, I'm not sure. I think everybody's still around. Not in the area, but, uh, wow. oh, from the men's team? Yeah. Um, yes, actually the team of men we played were uh, some of the teachers. Now, I didn't know them all at the time, because that was a while ago. I remember my teacher, uh, um, Bob Corgan, uh, Phil Conway, uh, Tony Antha, because, of course, he owned the uh, local dairy bar. Frank Yakubowski. Yeah. I recognized him without his teeth in one of the pictures. <laughs> oh, you'll love to hear that one. And um, who else was there was Murray. Um, Mike. Mike Murray, who's not with us anymore. Mike was an avid hockey player. Pretty quiet, but uh, I think he, uh, he certainly got to know what the girls were all about when he came out to play us. Now, what positions did you play in that game? I played center, uh, forward. I played left wing. Okay. My <laughs> devoted left wing. <laughs> I think I remember reading in one of the write-ups that it was a pretty close game. I think. Oh, oh absolutely. Remember well, there was supposed to be no body contact, but we didn't really listen to that very much. If we could catch them. <laughs> one thing I remember is uh, Bob uh, pulled me aside before the game and said, oh, Marie, you know, we should, uh, we should put on a little bit of a show. And he said, you know, I'll be in down in a, in a corner. And he said, you come and, you know, bump me. So, like a good student, because he was my math teacher, <laughs> when opportunity presented himself, itself, I did. And he went flying into the snowbank. And I thought it was a setup so that, you know, for entertainment, but I ended up getting a penalty for it. Yeah, well, it's definitely a setup. <laughs> Now, was that Bob Albert? No, Bob, Bob Corgan. Oh, Bob Corgan. Bob yes, Corgan. our math teacher. Okay, because I think Bob Albert was involved with the team at one time, was he? Yes, but that was, that was long before when we first started playing. And I also understand from reading and listening to some conversations that uh, that game that was played here was covered in the Barry's Bay this week, but that was the first time you got any coverage of that newspaper. Is that accurate? No, um, we were covered actually from my 
newspaper clippings, we were covered like right away. Not a whole lot mentioned until we started winning. Then we were on the front page. Yeah. Then every week there was pictures and details of the games. Yes. They were very good. That was the one in 86, um, because I wasn't living here, I went home after that weekend. Um, I just saw one picture of our team and the guys' team, and we did, we did beat them. By a last minute goal, near the end, we got them. <laughs> Any other memories you have about this place or anybody involved before we move on to our next location? Now, I can't recall offhand, uh, because it was Timberfest. I'm sure we met back at the arena for toddies or something. Yes, I remember us getting changed somewhere and I can't remember what they had. So it was part of Barry's Bay's winter festival, the Timberfest as they were called. Uh, was there a good crowd? Were there lots of spectators? Yes, there were quite a few. And it was a cold, bright day, as we said. Now, actually taking us back one other year, we played them before 86 in the arena. Now, I didn't recall a whole lot of that. Uh, but Judy reminded me of it. Yes, Marie, we did play them once before in, on, in the new arena, as I call it. And uh, that was a great game. And they really weren't sure how to deal with us when we tried checking them and boarding them. And then finally, a few of them gave us a few bumps, but they were pretty gentle with us. <laughs> did you beat them in that game too? Absolutely. <laughs> you don't have... have had some grudges to, to, to uh, pay back at the second game that was played here. Yes, yes, and I think it's all the fault of the guy that plowed the rink in the first place. As Marie said, it was Olympic size, and we were all out of breath. <laughs> Did you ever know who that was? Ever find out who that was? No, but that'd be something good for you guys to find out. <laughs> oh, I think it was Donnie. <laughs> when Don, Donnie, because of course he at one time um, coached. He and Donnie Kosnaski and Jimmy Mask. Uh, coached us one year yes. and uh, so I'm sure if Donnie was asked to do that because we were playing he was going to make that rink just perfect for us. <laughs> nice and very, big I guess. Very good well lots of history there so we'll move on to our next location and we'll talk a little more about your team. Because we it was cold, not too bad, but we're all in. And the only thing I clothes. can think of is we either came with some equipment on, or Donnie let us go into his garage park. Because we were inside. Because remember Nancy came. She was living, I think, Kitchener way then. Yeah. And she had just joined a religious thing, and she gave us all those little Bibles. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. And she was so calm and cool through the whole game. I really felt the difference in her presence with her. And I thought. And then at the end, she did that, and I thought, aha, she's found some feet somehow. I'll hold the door for the ladies. At least one of the doors.
high school next? <laughs> well, it's funny because when I was a girl guide leader and I had a camping trip organized for a weekend and the place I was going to in Boulder had bear sightings. So within oh. a week, I had to find another place. And actually I called Raymond up and said, I need a place, you know, is there any place on the island? Well, he put us in a cow field. <laughs> but you know what? The girls went camping. There was a bear outside of uh, Pembroke Petawawa oh, Renault yeah. Golf Course. Yeah, I saw like two days ago, right on the ski trail, snowshoe trails that they really? have. Yeah. yeah Poor thing that. wouldn't have anything to eat no, right now. Out a little early. And like the snow, like I have to wear my snowshoes just to fill my bird feeders at my place. They're just going to go sinking. Really hard on the animals. Yeah, he sure seems to be early. It's a Saturday, so we're here in the parking lot at Madawaska Valley District High School. Uh, this site should bring back a few memories for you ladies, as you were both students here in 1972. Marie, I understand that the seeds of women's hockey in the area were sown in a meeting here uh, with a guidance counselor. Can you tell us about that? Okay, it was, it was grade 10 uh, in the fall, and you know, you had these meetings to say, what are you going to do? And um, I met with uh, Mr. Bill Houle, Sr. Uh, he was my guidance counselor at the time. And we talked um, about what were my ambitions, what did I want to do. And I, you know, the same thing in grade 10, you don't know what you want to do yet. Uh, but he persisted and said, well, but if you, you know, you need to know this for your courses. And I said, yeah, I know, but you know, I don't know yet. He said, well, what would you like to do if you had a choice? I said, I want to play hockey. And he said, hmm. He didn't dismiss me. He said, hmm. And I said, yeah, I'd really like to play hockey. You know, girls can't play hockey. And he said, well, sure you can. You can do this. And I said, no, there's, there's no teams. There's no, he said, you get some girls interested. You get some interest and I'll see what I can do. And We'll do this. I said, well, I don't know what to do. He said, go ask your friends. Okay, so I went out and Virginia Jones, Jonesy, we used to call her, and uh, Judy, Judy Whalen, and I mean, it just bloomed from there. Now, I'm not really sure Judy helped me feel, I don't know how that all went. I just know we got a team. We got a team. We just put word out in the hallways, and uh, before long, we had other girls coming up to us, and asking us, okay, what's this all about, or how do I, how do I join? That's my little bit of that part of the recollection. The first year we played uh, exhibition games here and there, and the next year we formed our own little league around the whole valley. It's a district high school, and you just mentioned the whole valley, so I'm assuming there was a good representation of girls from Palmer Rapids, Cumbermere, Killaloo, Wilno, Barry's Bay. Well, not exactly. Most of the girls were word of mouth, like Judy, she was from Killaloo, because they had to have access to a late bus for our hockey practice. Uh, it was a very small group the first year. 
uh, there would have been probably 10, 12 of us yes, initially. And, uh, and, and once we had the team, then I spoke to Mr. Hool again. And by that time, he had given me some names and he had made some contacts so we could do some exhibition games. And that's when uh, we played with Eganville right away because they were close. Because Apiango, girls from Apiango, um, Renfrew, Pembroke Panthers, Pembroke Lumberettes, Pembroke Lumberettes, strong team. Yeah, and so it was a little bit of that, but everybody was still, you know, getting their teams together. So we sort of went through the first 2000, uh, 72 to 73 playing those exhibition games. There was girls still in girl skates. Judy? Yes. Oh, I was faster on girl skates because that's what I've always skated on all my life. Then we were forced to go to hockey skates, boy skates as they say, uh, a few years later though, but I would bring both pair of skates to the game. Now what was the feature on your girl skates that gave you the speed? Well, saw off the bottom pick and then just go. <laughs> <laughs> there were times, Judy, if she, the puck was gone, she'd get up on those picks and she'd be at that puck in no time. Just run on the ice. <laughs> So we're standing here in the courtyard at MVDHS, Madawaska Valley District High School, and we can see a variety of windows from the different levels and different classrooms. I think Bill Hool's office was probably right over there. Yep. Just uh, in that area. And uh, the other teachers, what kind of support did you get from the other staff? Well, when I spoke to Bill, of course we had no uniforms. So because it was already the Madawaska Valley MV Wolves, he said, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And the Wolves, which was the boys team, uh, I don't know who he spoke to, who the manager was, but we were allowed then to borrow their jerseys when they weren't wearing them to play a game. And I, I can't, I remember uh, we didn't have anything negative. You know, it was sort of the beginning year. I think we had really good support. I want to think so because I didn't hear anything negative. Um, one other thing that was really important was um, Mr. Jim Haskins. Hassie. Yes. Hassie was just behind us 100%. He originally designed our logos for our, our hockey jackets and then our jerseys. Yeah, he was a fantastic support and a wonderful artist and great guy. But your team wasn't the Wolves, it became the Wolverines, is that right? That's right. He designed our, our emblem and our patch the Madawaska Valley Wolverines. Very good. Did any teachers act as coaches, managers, anything like that? Well, we had we had a guy coach us that offered to coach the first year, Gary Budrick. And then the next year, Bob Albert came on to manage. And he was a teacher. And he was a teacher. He taught, I think, accounting or bookkeeping, yeah, business, I, think. I think. Business, Something. which was great. And then when Gary left, Mr. Bob Albert, he took over coaching. And boy, did he have his hands full yes. with all of us. But he was great. Okay, one last question while we're here at the school. It seems like it's, it started as, at the school, but did it eventually become a community team? It did because, again, it was difficult to get girls with equipment because there was, there was a few girls, and I, now that you ask, they had to borrow their brother's equipment. And guess who got dibs on the equipment when there was a game? wasn't their sister. So we had a variety and to keep going, we just, more, the more people that saw us play, girls I mean, 
they came out. And yes, we did have a few characters from the from Barry's Bay that did come out and play with us on our team. And they were also sometimes older because they had vehicles. And jobs. And jobs. And, and who were some of the, those ladies? Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Carolyn Shushak. Uh, she played net for us. She used to work at Martha's, did she not? Yep. Uh, she was a bouncer there. She was a bouncer there. And Martha's the Sherwood Motor Hotel you got and it. Lounge. Yes. yes. Now known as the Ashgrove yes. Inn. Exactly. And she would be with her cage on right in the net. She'd have her cigarette stuck out the cage playing the game. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and defy anybody to come close with that puck. Yeah, exactly. I think in the 70s you also played with your sister Jackie Veldev. Yes, yes. Not that, not for a couple years oh, okay. because there's an age difference. Okay. So she didn't come into high school till um, I was, that would have been maybe 74 when she was in grade 9. Yeah, I saw did. an article I think from the Madawaskan, the, uh, the school yearbook, and I think she did a write-up and she talked about you. I think you were the captain at the time. Oh yes, Marie was always our Capitan. <laughs> well, no, not originally. <laughs> but I had a good team. I mean, we had, uh, we had lines. Judy was my left wing. Jonesy was my right wing. Defense was also Ann Summers, Mary Golchewski. Uh, and then the second line was Nancy Pobetsky was center, Brenda Hearn was wing, and Roseanne Schala was wing. And I mean, excellent players. Yes, but we were like glue the two lines. Yeah. You just knew where each person was going to be when you passed the puck. Because don't forget, we started playing hockey. We didn't all come knowing the game completely. Oh no. Danny, but, Danny Sullivan had to teach us about the blue line and the red line when we were first practicing <laughs> the crab. <laughs> How much time a week did you spend practicing? Oh, whenever we could get the ice, but generally it was one night a week, wasn't it, Marie? It was two nights a week, and uh, and and then a game on a weekend. Yes, yes. And then you throw public skating in there too. Okay, well, I think the next leg of our journey will take us to another familiar location, and we can talk about some more uh, more of the history of your team. Y'all in, ladies? Yep. Park on the furthest west corner of Valleymark. That's probably where you were planning on going anyways. Farthest west corner of the parking lot of Valleymark. That's why he was there teaching us hockey. What the hell was his nickname? He stole Crab. it. Crab. Crab? I, I said it on tape. It's still pretty crabby. Yeah, he has a lot of pain. Did, I haven't uh, seen him in a while. Did Teresa run the concession? Oh my yep. god, Good. yeah. She used to go out, and when her sons were playing, five of them, different times, they got in a scrap. I've seen her go out and get along the boards and grab the other players by the hair right under the helmet. <laughs> that sounds like Teresa. She just streaked right out of that co uh, commissary. <laughs> <laughs> so some pretty entertaining uh, spectacles in the stands as well. Oh yeah. 
And Danny was quite the fighter. He could oh, yeah. He and his older brother. What the younger brother is Bruce. What was his older brother? David. David. They could fight on skates. Oh. I think they were still using it in 1979. Because I remember being here when I was in high school. Like we had a winter carnival. And I remember being in this arena. I'm pretty sure. And then, that must have been the last year before they tore it down. It, well, because, well, I don't know when they tore it down, but I know that the other one opened in 1980. Okay, well, that'd be right. Then. It was yeah. a trivia question when I was on a trivia team. <laughs> and I was like, I should know this. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The front door? Right down there. Now we're at the parking lot. Uh, we're actually we're just standing along the uh, the side of Apiango Line, the west end of Barry's Bay, uh, in the parking lot of the Barry's Bay Value Mart. Uh, this is the site of Barry's Bay's first indoor rink, which was official, uh, affectionately known as the Old Grey Lady. Uh, that rink was built sometime in the late 1940s and demolished in the early 1980s. I think the new arena opened in 1980. Marie and Judy, I assume the Wolverines played their first games here, even the first game. Do you have any memories of that very first game? I know we didn't win it, <laughs> that first game, uh, but we picked up the pace after that. Do you remember anything, Judy? Well, I remember our dressing rooms, and uh, they, were, they were rough, but they weren't as cold as other, other rinks that we did play in later on. Do you remember any of the staff here? Who was anybody that was working here? I don't. Oh, the rink rats, yeah. as they were called. Well, Mrs. Teresa Sullivan worked at the commissary for years and years, and would often participate in her son's hockey games. I, one of the things I remember most was when you drove up, and we're standing here now in the parking lot, and it's very flat. But if you look, you can see where it's is. There's quite a, a downgrade towards the highway. Well, that upward uh, slope where you drive in and there was just enough room for a car to the front entrance of the arena and they were the hugest doors you could imagine to open they weren't extremely heavy but they were clunky but if you were here early you got a nice parking spot because you were right there and um, and then of course you could park around the side now something I want to add Judy and I know you'll probably remember this was we used to always try to get here early and home team always tried to get the dressing room on the uh, closest to the door uh, when you're coming in because the furnace where the rink rats were that was the dressing room that was the warmest you're absolutely right Marie you're absolutely right <laughs> and there you would be wood piled on one end because they could come the other way and grab the wood to put in the furnace do you remember that yes I do yes I do now, I looked at your album and uh, I realized that 1974 was a fairly important year because that was the year you won a tournament, a ladies hockey tournament uh, in the Valley. Well, actually, the 72 or 73-74, once um, uh, Mr. Bill Hool and I uh, got our ducks in a row, he had already contacted um, a teacher from Apionko who graciously donated uh, a cup for our new 
uh, league of the WHA, Women's Hockey Association. And there was Renfrew, Pembroke, uh, us, and Eganville. The Warriorettes, the Pemets, Pembroke Pemets, no, Pembroke Lumberettes. It was the Pembroke Lumberettes. Now, I can't remember Renfrew's girls' team. So, when we played in this newfound league, now we had direction. And um, so, yes, our home games were here, and then we traveled around to the other communities. Some of the coldest, well, the coldest rink we ever played in was Beechburg. That was just sheet metal, really cold, and we'd often get bumped because the ice in Pembroke to play the Pembroke League, a team, would, uh, the, it was, the rink was busy. So we often would end up down in Beechburg with, also with the Renfrew teams. Yeah, Renfrew and Pembroke, we played uh, in Beechburg. Just again, we got whatever ice was left over. And Eganville, we played the Warriors, the Warriorettes. Yeah, and we played that in Eganville, yeah. After that 1974 championship, the Barry's Bay Village Council hosted a banquet and dance for the team uh, to show their appreciation. What are your memories of that, either lady? Oh, we got all dolled up and we got our big trophy out. And everybody was happy to see us and we had a lot of sport. It was really a lot of fun. We were quite honored. Yes, and they, uh, they were, we got little pins. Do you remember the little Barry's Bay pins we got? With uh, the... Uh, the little Barry's Bay logo, we got those. Got a dinner, got a rose. I still have it in my book, fresh in the pages. Um, but we did, we won the first WHA championship. Our names were the first ones on the trophy. And, uh, and we had a couple of other firsts uh, that were also within the league. Everything from goals to goaltender, Rosemary Pekoski was our goaltender, and uh, she was right at the top of the pack within the league. Um, and we made a couple of other records that have yet to be broken in, in the new arena. Uh, but we also had some other ones. A little Judy can probably talk about that a little more. This sounds interesting. Oh, I of the whole league at the very end, I ended up having the notoriety of having the most penalties <laughs> and I think Marie was top scorer all the time. Do you remember the cause of some of those penalties? What, what oh, were you up to? Just trying to get the puck. Girls can be vicious <laughs> and we were just being competitive. Well in addition to being a pretty aggressive player I think you also got asked to give a few words at that banquet to, on behalf of the team, speak to the community on behalf of the team. Do you remember that at all? No, I don't. Right at the moment, Mark. Oh. It was in. It was in the. It was in your. The newspaper your album. Clipping. Yeah, it was in the newspaper clipping from the album. We were gabbing so much the other day. We didn't hear. It. We didn't do any reading. Any other memories uh, before we move on to our next location? We'd hosted a couple of fundraisers. One fundraiser we had as a team. Money was was one of the downfalls of not being able to continue. Uh, was very difficult. As a fundraiser, we took on running the canteen for a couple years, but didn't have enough volunteers because we're playing hockey, we're going to other towns, we needed volunteers to run it when we weren't there, so it was closed if, if we couldn't do it, 
and that became a bit of an issue. We also had a skate-a-thon where we skated in the old arena and a hundred laps or something had people sponsor us. Um, we also had a cookbook. And I think I have a copy of that cookbook at home. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, my mom had that. <laughs> Good. Do you remember one of the recipes in there by, um, remember we were talking about it the other day, the um, two of the girls, two of the hockey players, put in a joke recipe and nobody caught it until after it was in and was like, who would eat this? Is that Mary Blank? Mary no, Blank. no, it was Debbie Bond and Linda Schwieg. It was Gumbermere Girls. Yes! <laughs> it was like craft Dinner and Wieners and and just, uh, yeah, pretty mixed match. But then we laughed about it later and, uh, and but it, fundraising was, was difficult to, and then of course we knew that with the new arena, it'd be difficult to pay for ice time because all the girls we chipped in we paid for our own ice time we did the fundraising um, we did what we could we were lucky to have the public support because that year we won the cup we filled the old gray lady it was yeah their games were besides being entertaining they were very good great do you have to pick anything up before we leave the valley mart <laughs> Any groceries? No, I'm good. Okay, well, let's head on to the uh, last location. But yeah, we used to come here a lot. We used to come here a lot and be 15. Friday afternoons. No, no, this is oh. no, this See, is at school. Oh. Oh. All right, we're in the Balmoral Hotel. It's actually the Balmoral, but locally uh, the folks pronounce it as the Balmoral. A well-known landmark and watering hole here in Barry's Bay. I'm sure this isn't your first visit, uh, is it, ladies? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I understand it was your destination after practices and home games. I hope you weren't sneaking in underage. No, definitely not. No. You remember this is Barry's Bay. Most of them did know your parents and if you you couldn't but it was also when the new age drop so at 18 you were in here in grade mm -hmm. 12. Now did you have to use the ladies and escorts lounge that we're in now or could you be in the main beverage room? At the time no we were ladies and escorts and so um, you came in here and you found a seat and something I didn't know and you may know this Apparently, ladies and escorts meant ladies had to have an escort. I didn't realize I think, I at, I think at one that. time they had to, yes. At one time, yes, they did. Because, well, we didn't. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a coach. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I heard there was something about a buzzer. heard you say something as we were entering, something about a buzzer that was close to the door to the outside. 
What can you tell us about that buzzer? Well, we came in the front entrance mm-hmm. and came around this little hallway till we got in here. And I went directly to the door, the outside door, because that was the way, uh, that was the entrance that ladies and escorts used. And the ideal place to sit in here was at that table right by the door because there was a little buzzer, like a little button below with a plug-in where you buzz when you wanted service in here because there wasn't staff in the room. You buzz that. You didn't hear the buzzer. But over in the main part, in the gentleman's side, somebody would come over and ask, take your order. And what did the room look like in those days? Was uh, Now there's tables and chairs in here. What did it look like back then when you were frequenting this? Well, I see that the wall covering is the same except for it's now painted. Mm-hmm. In here at the time was a lot of pictures, baseball, hockey, really old pictures of guys I didn't know. Mm. And lots of sports, all black and white. It had tables, had a bench along that one wall, and and it had the greatest banked shuffleboard. Mm. It was another sport I liked. Do you have any memories of the Balmoral? Not that many, Mark, because I had to travel from Killaloo and I had my dad's three-quarter ton pickup truck and the, the Tipperary Farms truck. So uh, not too often would I be coming in here. But once I turned 18, the odd time. And, of course, then also the Wilmo because it was, what was it called back then? The Exchange. Yeah. It's the Exchange Hotel and the Killaloo Hotel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, so there's watering holes there. Oh, yes. Killaloo was a hopping place then. Now, did you uh, did you know the owners, Jack Dunnigan and Jack Billings? Um, well, um, I knew Jack Billings. Um, only that who he was, I didn't know him on a friendly basis. But I remember one night when me and one of the other team members was in here and talking hockey. And, and, uh, and the more we... Uh, talked, um, we got this idea about let's let's get some new uniforms, and uh, and I mentioned this in, in before in our podcast about the about the Balmoral, but uh, Jack Billings graciously donated two jerseys as long as it had Balmoral Hotel on it, and we wore or I wore it. He sponsored us for two of our jerseys. And did you say that one of the frequent customers here, Howard Edmansky, donated something too? He donated one too. Uh, He and actually Clifford Blank. It was the, I think it was the C&H Inc. was on the back of that jersey. So it didn't really give away who it was. Mm. And uh, and that was the jersey that Mary Kopchewski wore. (coughs) With her number on it. And she married Clifford Blank. And she ended up marrying Clifford (laughs) Very good. Very good. Now, Marie, you went away to college, uh, and uh, you nursed in a variety of places uh, after you left Barry's Bay. Uh, When you returned to the Bay, how did you maintain your involvement with women's hockey? Well, actually, um, when I graduated from nursing, I came back here to Barry's Bay, because I I was in Pembroke, because I continued to play for the team. Um, And when I left here, I went to Oshawa, and my first full-time job played for the Whitby Blades for a year, got offered a job back in Barry's Bay Hospital full-time, 
And, um, and I remember when I got the call and told her that um, I could be available in April because we weren't finished playoffs. So anyways, I came back here and played again. Uh, and it wasn't, and then I went, uh, I moved away again for another job and uh, continued to play hockey where I could, where I was. Uh, it, when I came back here, uh, eventually got married and had my children, um, I was approached by uh, two ladies locally here uh, who wanted to have like a ladies team to just play on Friday nights. And uh, Anne Papania and uh, Jess Jessica Poff uh, were organizing a Chicks with Sticks. And I played for a few years with them. And did the Chicks with Sticks come here after their game? Oh, yeah, all, all the time, all the time. Well, they didn't practice. We just played Friday nights, but this was definitely one of the watering holes that we did come to frequently. We're getting ready in the area for the uh, 2020 Heritage Cup. And I understand that the convener of that tournament contacted you in the early days, uh, back a number of years, to organize some women's teams. Uh, what was your involvement with the Heritage Cup in its early days? Well, the first time that uh, Dave Shulis had women, introduced women to the Heritage Cup, I played on the Kashubian team, which at that time was the Polish girls team. And um, I was just asked to play, so I played. Um, and I found that uh, I, was, I wasn't fast enough. I, I was too slow. I needed to hang my skates up. But come the second year, I was approached to, they needed a coach. And um, because I already had a coaching license from my daughters when they played and needed a coach, I'd taken the course. I thought, hey, I'll do this. So then I got involved with coaching. Now, at, after that, and Judy and I both have represented uh, respectively. Uh, I was the honorary captain for the Kashubian team and Judy. I was the honorary captain for the Irish team. And when was that? That would have been 2010, I believe. Yeah. And what were some of the things that, the, that David asked you to do in that capacity? Just represent. And, uh, well, I was pretty loud in the change room, give the girls some let's go. And we had some awesome players. Some of them were going back that night to Guelph and area to play because they were university players. Awesome. So that was a lot of fun and a great weekend. In addition, Judy, to the Heritage Cup, did you maintain your involvement with hockey from the time of the Wolverines through there? No, I really didn't, no. Didn't you play for a team? You, said, you were telling me the other day you played for a university? Oh, in college. Yes, yes. College. in college, yes. So where was that? Oakville, Sheridan. Was that a good experience, too? It, it, was, it was good. We... Most of the players skated on their ankles, but we had a great time. And we had, Brampton area always had big tournaments and, and uh, we went sweetheart tournament, it was called. I still have the trophy. <laughs> but the quality of the players wasn't as good as the players from around here. No, sir, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, Marie, I heard that you recently met Haley Wickenheiser. Is that correct? Well, it, when Barry's Bay was in competition, the first uh, first ever Craft Hockeyville, there it was slow getting uh, going, but we did end up uh, being in uh, in the 
uh, competition uh, further on, and there was two buses that le went from Barry's Bay to Hamilton, mm -hmm. and uh, where the judges sat and uh, deliberated and stuff like that, and did presentations and talked about. And so um, she was there. And I was, I was there with, I took my daughter with me and actually got her autograph oh, very good. on my jersey. And, uh, and so did my daughter. And uh, it was pretty amazing because Craft Hockeyville was when? So that's back in the early 2000s, I guess. Yes. Not recently. Yeah. But, uh, and now to know that Haley Weckenheiser is in, um, in uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame is amazing. Mm -hmm. Because one of my quotes out of the yearbook was that I wanted to be the first female NHL player, but I'm really glad that Haley is now working for the uh, uh, as a uh, player coordinator or something for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So she stands on their bench. So this was the place where you came to drown your sorrows after losses and probably to review the games and uh, to celebrate your victories. Um, Overall, you know, what, uh, what, what do you think about the future of women's hockey here in the Ottawa Valley, or the Madawaska Valley? Hmm. Well, I'm hoping that it continues. Now, when my daughters were, uh, wanted to play, uh, I, uh, um, my youngest daughter wanted to play, and so she, the only thing available was in Eganville. So that was their home ice. Uh, and it was with the Upper Ottawa Valley Girls Hockey League out of Pembroke. And uh, we ended up in the area having a, a Bantam team a couple years later, our, our own one from Barry's Bay, and a midget team. And, and then it, has, it sort of died off. My daughter was older and then went away to school and and it was really difficult because unfortunately it's still very much uh, a male-dominated sport mm -hmm. and there were girls I remember on Heidi's team that if their brother and I heard a mom say it my son and my daughter are playing well my my son you know is doing much better and so he got to play um, it's difficult there are uh, some competitive teams out there Certainly in the city, there's, it thrives. Sarah Sobolski, who plays, uh, well, she manages, I think, uh, or is a manager on the Kashubian team, she's actually played for years and has coached in the Ottawa area. Um, actually, I just heard the other night at the arena when I was watching one of the um, Pee Wee games, uh, their playoffs, I was talking to someone, and uh, apparently there is uh, one team that's uh, in the area of girls, and they travel around quite a bit, and I do want, it's actually, I heard it was Chummy Gino, so actually mm. I'm hoping to uh, get talking to him yeah. uh, at uh, the Heritage Cup. Where will it go? It, it, it depends on that passion to play. I think it's still out there, but I think just like the Canadian national team that plays internationally, it's all about exposure, cost, who'll watch it. Judy, what would you, you know? You were involved for a number of years. What would you say to a young girl today who was interested in hockey? Oh, I'd say strap those skates on, girl, and go have some fun. Hey, a lady. toast. A toast. Give the toast to girls' hockey. May it continue. Here, here. Here, here. Long live girls' hockey. And so we leave Mark, Marie, and Judy enjoying a palate-cleansing ale at the old Balmoral or Balmoral Hotel. 
If you enjoyed tonight's show, please let us know, or better still, tell your friends. I'm certain with your help, together, we can coax Mark to fire up that old half-ton once again in a week or two and go looking for a few more sacred places along those dusty old back roads of the Madawaska Valley. For all the great folks who usually produce the Epiongo line each week, I'm Barry Conway, its island-bound executive producer and sometimes show announcer. Good night and good luck.